0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. Thank you for joining me wherever you are, in your car, on a nice walk, um, on a plane, who knows, planes, trains, automobiles, I don't know where you are, but we are together in this moment. That sounded sarcastic. I didn't mean it to be, but... Anyway, um, I'm taking a break from the guests for until next week, and the main reason is I've got some really amazing guests coming up, Um, and guests are busy. People are busy. School has started, at least in the United States. School has started, and people are trying to get back into the swing of things, and so I have a lineup of some amazing people coming. So I hope you stay tuned. And if you have a suggestion on a guest, who knows if I could get that person. Keeping in mind that this podcast is an interreligious or non-religious podcast. So I want to talk to people from all over the religious and non-religious map. People doing extraordinary things, trying to self-care, and also trying to have a spiritual practice of some kind. And if you're not sure what I mean by that, I talk about it in pretty much all the other podcasts. Um, Spiritual practice basically just meaning whatever centers you down into yourself for calm people do that in a myriad of ways um, through meditation through mindfulness through walking through you know reading i i hate to put you know limitations on what spiritual practice can be i think the bottom line for me is a spiritual practice is something that over the long haul it is centering me it is it's funny because it's like it's getting by by centering, by being calm, by breathing, whether that's in the woods or, you know, sitting in my house practicing some form of meditation. It's being still with myself, hoping that over the long haul I am building a calm. And that involves lots of different practices. I've been Um, Getting into some different Buddhist practices, Tonglen for one, I'm probably saying that wrong. Just some practices that remind me that I can be still inside myself and not be bound in my ego. That I can be calm, but also looking out and holding space for other people. Hopefully that's clear. It's it's sort of clear to me. Today I want to talk about sorrow. Hopefully my dogs will not be too distracting. <laughs> I don't have a studio. I'm in my bedroom. And right now, I am not feeling a lot of sorrow. And one of the reasons is because my house is full. My son, who's living in L.A. right now, surprised me yesterday. He bought himself a ticket, and I came into the living room yesterday morning, and he was standing there. We had a scheduled phone call for 10 o'clock in the morning, and I looked at him, and I was in shock because, wait a second, we were supposed to have our phone call and you're here. It was an amazing gift, and I am still trying to let it filter down and expand my heart, and I'll get into that a little bit later. I want to talk about sorrow for the main reason that trauma over a lifetime can affect our joy, and Maybe I should make a disclaimer here that if you're already sad, that's okay. But I'm going to get a little into a little bit of my own sadness and sorrow and what that has looked like for me over the years, including lots of therapy and my voracious reading of any book that potentially could help build that container. And when I say the word container, I basically am talking about creating a space within myself that does not self-destruct and whatever tools I can pick up along the way to kind of help strengthen that inner container so that I can give myself time to reflect in a time of crisis or in a time of sorrow, reflect Rather than react. Um, The reason I'm talking about sorrow right now. Is because. I have a lot of sorrow around the time of my birth. And it goes. Super far back. Um, Probably as far back as the womb. I won't get into much of that, but. I highly recommend for any of you out there doing therapy to consider looking into brain spotting. It is connected to EMDR, but with EMDR, you rapid eye movement, you have to, as far as I understand EMDR, you have to have a traumatic event to go back to in order for the therapist to do EMDR with you. Now, for me, I have lots of traumatic events that have happened over the course of my life. So it is very difficult to narrow down one. And just about every therapist I've had, I've said, Hey, forgetting what EMDR is. Hey, um, what do you think about EMDR for me? And they're always like, well, do you have a traumatic event that you can go to? Um... Not really uh, well then EMDR probably isn't gonna work for you I like different modalities different again like I said a few minutes ago I like tools and I like to maybe it's a you know insight into my personality I'm not really sure or just survival over time is I want to gather tools And I'll use those tools for a while and I might throw those tools away or put them aside or they just, you know, they don't have use for me anymore. But the tools are for, again, building my container and hopefully um, not giving myself space. So brain spotting i can't really get into it because it's almost impossible for me to explain but it is fascinating and i did it last year with my therapist at the time and then my insurance ran out so that is why i wouldn't mind having social medicine but anyway um so i I think i was able to have three sessions of brain spotting and brain spotting can be used for anything from stage fright to, you know, traumatic events, as far as I understand it. So for me, we went back to pre-womb. Pre-womb? No. (laughs) Can't really go back to pre-womb. Anyway, we went back to womb. I won't get into that, but it was very powerful for me. So my trauma starts in the womb and has been... Layered over the course of my life by different events, my parents not protecting me and not protecting my siblings, which then for me as the person that I am made me acutely aware of protecting my sister and my brother. I am almost 10 years older than my sister, and I'm 12 years older than my brother. So at the time that they were born, I had already been uh, molested by my grandparents over, I'm guessing, the course of my life, and had already repressed that. So how that played out in me with my siblings is protection but that protection often slid into complete and total panic because my you know my dad was at work and my mom was checked out so we were kind of running rampant in the little town that we lived in and me being the caregiver and probably very um Obsessed caregiver, you know, anytime I couldn't get a hold of them or, you know, find them, I'd call for them or whatever, uh, led into now what I understand as acute anxiety. And that's kind of what I mean by trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. And... I'm not going to get into the details of trauma and I'm also not going to judge what somebody else's trauma is versus what mine is because I don't think we need to put weight on what somebody's trauma is versus somebody else's. You know, what mine is versus somebody that's grown up in a war-torn country versus somebody that grew up maybe wealthy and protected, but had bullying. We are different people. We survive and deal with traumatic episodes in our lives in completely different ways. But trauma is trauma is trauma is trauma. So I'm saying all that, Because the month of September holds a lot of pain for me, and it is also my birth. 25th of September. For years, I had a love-hate relationship with my birthday. And then I started to put, as I started to get healing, as I started to realize, you know, when I was 29 that I had repressed memories in there and started to do some real healing and therapy work around that, um, I started to put different plans in place that helped me kind of deal with what I would need. Because at first I would say, I don't even want to celebrate. I don't want to do anything. I just, I, I kind of wanted to pretend like it was a blip on the screen like we would do something as a family and then it would be over but my birthday would roll up and then I would be <laughs> it would be sad that nobody celebrated me so it was like I was creating the problem and then over time I realized oh you can do something that makes you feel good it's kind of like what Molly said in the episode a few weeks ago, I am an adult and I can choose. And so I started to, every year, at this time of year, the swifts, which are a beautiful bird that do something in the sky called a murmuration, which is unbelievable and you should look it up. Just look up swifts or swallow murmuration and you will see an aerial dance like you've never seen before. But they migrate around August and September here. And I'm sure they used to mainly perch in trees. And then due to, you know, a lot of clear cutting, they started to perch in chimneys, that those big tall chimneys that were in schools, because they don't nest... Per se, they have talons or claws that they kind of hang off the inside of something. Anyway, I I digress. I love Swifts. I have a tattoo of Swifts. I love them. They're beautiful and they make me calm and and I feel good when I watch the Swifts. So I started to make my birthday every year around the same time go to this school in Portland called Chapman Elementary where people gather and watch the Swifts. And it's beautiful. It's not super long. It's short. So it was very packaged for me. I didn't have to entertain people. We could just sit and be together and watch something beautiful and eat delicious food and chat or not chat. And then I've probably been doing that for about six or seven years. And there's a lot of things that go into this. So you are getting a window into who I am. (laughs) And I could either apologize or say, you're welcome. But I do like to feel special. And I think over time, whether this was intended, I'm sure it was not intended. I just started to feel like it was more less about my birthday and more about people having a reason to come to the Swifts. And so I started to realize it was making me sad. So again, I am an adult and I can make different choices. So I still love the Swifts, but I realized for me that that was going to kind of get tainted over time if I kept going and kind of hoping that it would be different. Um, So this year, I'm doing something very small. I'm going to this sacred spot on the river that Molly and I have talked about in in the podcast and and I'm going to just celebrate. So that brings me to what I'm I'm talking about today. And that's the sorrow for me of September. Such such a perfect segue into the green in into the Green Day song where when September ends <laughs> when my kids were young they got into green day and it was non-stop green day anyway i think that song is pretty and sad so september for me is a complicated month like i've said already one because i have trauma trauma around my birthday and my birthday is in september also september is the month that my husband's brother died it was in the beginning of September, so in the beginning of the month, it's filled with sadness, remembering so it's it's bittersweet it's you know it's full of the joys of remembering Tim and how hysterical he was and hanging out with his children. And seeing my in-laws and trying to remember and celebrate him. But at the same time, there is a void where he is not. And also, September is the month that we ended up having to close our community. I was a minister for almost nine years at a place called the Bridge Christian Church in Portland, Oregon which was a community for people giving God one last fucking chance. And you can take that any way you want, but that is exactly what that community was. We, Todd and I wrote the songs. There are other people wrote some songs too, but we wrote the songs indigenous, indigenously in our community. And what I mean by that is we wrote songs from the stories of our people and we sang those songs and we sang the music that we wanted to sing so we call it garage gospel you can look it up it's agents of future we have i think four or five albums out um and i was a part of that community for 16 plus years did music almost from the beginning with my husband. My two children were born in that community. I was married right at the beginning. I was one of the first marriages that happened. Both my children were born. We moved many, many times, managed to always stay together as a community. And then in September, five years ago, we closed. And it is bittersweet. I... I don't know how I feel about church at this point, but 16 years of being able to talk about whatever I wanted within community and hold space for differing differing beliefs, watching people transform and leave the church, transform and stay in the church, get married in the church, have children in the church, feed hundreds and hundreds of people from the spoils of Trader Joe's, New Seasons, and Whole Foods, make a lot of friends, do a lot of really wild things that people still don't believe we were able to do (laughs) within community. So, it is a bittersweet month for me. And I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that it always catches me off guard. <laughs> I'm trying to prepare for it. I'm trying to give myself space while continuing to work, get get into the woods, do some archery, like do all the container things that I know how to do and still the sorrow catches me off guard. And so what I wanted to say is... I think what I'm trying to do now, after again being caught off guard, this month, caught off guard isn't really a a good way to put that. Just slowly, it's like I've stepped into really thick mud that is also slightly slippery. You know when you step into mud and you can't get your boots out? You have to literally take your whole foot out of the boot. To get out. That's the kind of mud that I've slowly <laughs> sunk into. Just, just, you know, slipping down into something that I, I'm kind of watching it happen. And then my boot is sinking deeper and deeper. And I don't like it because I want to be filled with joy and celebrate myself and be like, this is amazing. I'm going to be 49 and my children love me and my husband loves me and I'm building a business that I'm proud of. And I love people still after all the shit I've been through. I really genuinely love people. And all of those things are true. While at the same time, I am in pain. So where that's left me is a reflection of how do I hold space for myself to be sad in a month that I feel like kind of lends itself to me needing to be joyful. And I will tell you more about that. We're going to go to a commercial And then when we get back, I'll talk a little bit more about that. So, what does it mean to create space for ourselves to feel sorrow? What does self-care look like in a time of sorrow? For me, as I reflect on this month, For me, it's looked like doing it anyway. And what I mean by that is the things that... So often people say, when you're depressed or when you're feeling... I don't know if depressed is the right word, but anxious or blue or sad, check through a list that you've made, like an internal list. Have you drank water? Have you eaten healthy food? You know, to feed, feeding your body, that kind of food. Have you exercised? Have you, you know, talked to somebody you love? Whatever your list is. Um, to do that first, you know, before you make any kind of rash, rash decisions. So I have checked my list. And I still have not felt better. So then what do I do? And I don't know if this is going to offer you any hope, but sometimes we are just sad. Sometimes we are just feeling the sorrow. And that is okay. I don't want to wallow in the sorrow. And what I mean by that is I don't want to get trapped like my boot in the mud, sucking myself down. I don't want to get trapped in the darkness for longer than is necessary. And I have ways of getting out of that. So I need to take my foot out of the boot and walk through the mud if I need to. And some ways that I do that, whether I feel it or not, are to walk my dog's sometimes that can be more irritating than (laughs) life-giving because I have somebody that is still puppyish and um, I won't get into that, but it can be a whole thing. So I walk my dogs. I listen to enjoyable stories, funny podcasts, music. I get into the woods as much as I can. I do archery. And when I am in a time of sorrow like I am right now, where I'm also trying to reflect on it but not obsess about it, those things help. They are helping me in the moment. Like the other day, I took a really long hike. I didn't have any, like pressing work that day, and I try to include practicing archery and also continuing to do it as a mindful practice, because if I'm going to keep teaching people, that's important. So I try to do that anyway, but I I took some extra time, got in the woods, it was pouring with rain, I was going to also harvest some plants to make some medicine, and that didn't end up happening because I just ended up not wanting to, but being in the woods is a nourishing thing for me. It is life-giving in so many ways. What I am finding in a time of sorrow, almost by the time I get home, the, the mud has creeped back in. <laughs> But I'm still doing those things. I'm still reading. I'm still laughing with my family. I'm watching shows that make me laugh. I'm adding things. I'm not subtracting things. And I am also still sad. And I think what that does is it's in its in its own way, it's its own container. It is allowing me to care for myself with the things that i know that help while also recognizing at the same time that i am still sad i am still experiencing sorrow so flash forward to yesterday and seeing my son and knowing that he bought his own plane ticket to come and see me that is huge now does it take my sorrow away? No. It helps. It's not his job to take my sorrow away. And there was part of me yesterday that was, when I was spending time with him, that was like, one, I have to say that sometimes it takes a minute for things to sink in for me. And that could be trauma. Just to be able to really embrace the joy of something can be I can be slow on that I guess it's a little bit hard to say out loud because it feels I don't know what it feels maybe disingenuous or that I should just let go but sometimes you you can't like I feel the joy that I'm able to feel in this moment because he's here. And I am able to go, that is an amazing thing that my 19-year-old son bought a plane ticket to come and see me. And it is sinking into the heart, into my heart, and expanding it and (laughs) massaging it back into some kind of life right now. But at the same time, I'm holding two truths. And those two truths are, I love him, my heart is expanding, I can't believe he did that for me, and at the same time, I am still sad. And I think, for the trauma that I have experienced, I'm a relatively normal person. And what I mean by that is, my feelings are not extraordinary. I feel anxiety, I feel stress, I feel peace, I feel joy, I feel hopelessness, I feel hopeful. Like, probably like a pretty average person that's done work and continues to do work. So, I'm not extraordinary, and I'm not, either way, I'm not extraordinarily... Bleak, and I'm not extraordinarily hopeful and it swings like a pendulum at times so what I'm trying to say out loud into space and time is that we can hold those truths at the same time like I have layers of trauma I can hold layers of differing feelings at the same time I can hold joy that somebody loves me enough to show up for me in that way. It's profoundly moving to me. And I can also have a tiny pocket that is still sad. And I can give that part of myself that is still sad, tiny moments where I can acknowledge that it's complex. That things are not straightforward like I thought they would be. And I don't know if this is helpful, but I know that for me, things that are helpful are when I know I'm not alone. When I feel like I am the only person that feels dark or confused or alienated, or, you know, I am pushed out. If I'm the only person that feels that way, that is isolating. And when we're more isolated, the darkness is so much more dark. But when somebody pokes a hole in that darkness, even if it's a pinprick to say, oh, I feel that too then I don't feel so isolated and alone. I don't want you to feel isolated and alone either. There is nothing wrong with you if you feel deep sorrow when everybody else is feeling joy or when everybody else seems to be feeling joy or when everybody else thinks that you should be feeling joy or at least that's how you're interpreting it. Your feelings are your feelings are your feelings are your feelings. And sometimes they don't fucking make sense. They are just your feelings. So what I would leave you with is keep in your sorrow. Don't throw away the self-care routine, routines that you've picked up. I would say, if you can, add more to them or lengthen the time that you're able to engage in them if you can. Yes, you may walk out of there like whatever you're doing. Like I walked out of the woods, got in my car, was listening to music, got home, and the sad sad returned. But it doesn't take away that moment in the woods where I was in joy with myself and in nature. So do the things that you know how to do that usually help you feel better. Don't Limit those or cut back on those and then do your list, your checklist, which is like, do I need to take a nap? Did I drink water? Have I eaten my vegetables? Have I had some protein? Have I been physical? Whatever you do, whatever your list is, your checklist is to help you mitigate the sad do those two, and if you need to add more to that list. Add more tea times with yourself or coffee breaks or whatever you can do. Take care of yourself. say what you need to others. That's a really hard one. Go through a list maybe of people that you know love you, maybe it's one person that you are that you know is trustworthy. If you're not sure, take a risk anyway, but pick the person that is the most likely to be kind and trustworthy and say whatever you need to say that feels the safest to you. I am sad right now. I feel a little bit lonely. Would you have time to hang out? Can you get a cup of coffee? Whatever it is, I know it's a risk. I... I'm very good at embracing certain types of vulnerability. Asking for help is a really difficult one for me, but I do make myself do it and I've gotten better at it. And the muscle is not so atrophied in me. So I can do it better than I used to be able to do it. But for the most, 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 most important thing is remember you're not alone. Yes. Maybe where you're at in the city where you're living, you feel completely alone. But I am here in my bedroom, in the middle of Portland, also feeling those feelings. So you are not alone. There is somebody in the world that feels that acute sorrow. And I'm saying to sorrow, I see you. I feel you, but I'm not really sure what to do about you. But I trust myself enough to know that when I'm ready or when you have something to show me sorrow, that I'll be able to take steps or maybe just move through you. I hope that this is helpful. It's helpful to me just talking about it. I realized when I said that I sound like Mr. Rogers. It's helpful to me. And if that's all this is, is helpful to me, then I guess that's what this week is about. Take care of yourself, and I am going to try to take care of me. If you need somebody to talk to, you can find me on Angiefatal at gmail.com. This is what I do. I don't talk about myself. <laughs> If you meet with me for soul care, but I do talk about self-care tips with you, but it's holding space, creating a container for you to be, do, and feel whatever you need to feel without judgment. So you can find me on my website. You can find me here. You can ask questions of me here. But I do care about who you are and what you're experiencing. You can also book an archery workshop with me. The meditative archery is centered around a journaling task that unlocks these really difficult emotions. Like rage, anger, grief, or sorrow. And then shooting with it, through it, at it. It is life-changing and liberating and empowering. You can set up a one-on-one appointment with me or a group session. You can also find that on my, in my shop on my website. But the bottom line is just knowing that you're not alone. So I hope that that's helpful today and you're able to If you haven't built a very big or sturdy container, that you're able to start building that. Therapy helps. There are lots of books out there that that will help. Books on, for me, books that have been really beneficial are books that help create that mind-body-spirit connection, integrating all the parts of myself. So take care of yourself today, and remember that you're not alone b B side B side You're on the B side B side Where the funniest stuff is found Yeah To kind of self self soothe Those are more moments where you can self <laughs> That is such a hard thing to say <laughs> Add moments where you can Self-soothe. Wow, that is a mouthful. So, again, add moments where you can self-soothe. One of the people that helped me not feel so alone as a child was Mr. Rogers. And re- recently there's been, you know, all those documentaries about him. There was one that was... um on in the theaters, and then there was one that I think Todd found on Netflix, but I'm not sure. It was just different people talking about how Mr. Rogers had influenced them. I'm not sure if I was aware of it as a child, but when my own children started watching Mr. Rogers, it was profoundly impactful because I had realized that that container that we're talking about. He actually helped me build that container to not feel like I was so alone. It was just amazing what, what that show gave me and what he gave me by just looking in my face and telling me that I was lovable. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? This is very low. Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you, so let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, could you be mine? Would you be mine? (laughs) My dog is sneezing. Won't you be my neighbor? My dog is definitely my neighbor right now. (laughs)